Hey y'all, this is Ledge, and before we get to this episode, I want to tell you a quick story. I remember when we were contacted by one of the top video fitness apps in the United States, and they were doing a total rebuild, and they wanted to do that with our engineers. So we set that up, and we've been at it for two years with 10 different team members in every possible skill set from design to product management to scrum master to development. And it's been a really exciting journey where we are completely in charge of staffing that entire team for them. That's not a common scenario, but it just gives you an idea of the reach that we can bring to the table, you know, time and time again for mobile apps and for web apps and for design. And I think that's really one of the strengths of the huge bench of talent that we bring to the table. Now for our episode. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. So one of the questions I get asked a lot, you know, is sort of, if I'm um, an engineering leader, right, and I need to be able to communicate to the business stakeholders, you know, people who control money, and, you know, the executive team on here are the really important things that you're asking us to do. And also here are the technical debt things that we need to fix and clear, you know, and how do you want to set priorities on that? So it's like digs down a level and you're able to say like, how do I, how do I get the business to understand, you know, technical debt because we made choices before and now we need to, you know, kind of solve for that. Yeah, I think, I think uh, that's like one of the, if not the biggest challenge of like any engineering leadership role typically, right? Especially if you're like in that startup or like post startup stage uh, and you quite haven't quite made it yet. Um, there's a few different approaches I think that I've taken at Blinker and that um, the VP of engineering has taken as well. I think one of the, one of the first things is really building a culture of trust. Um, so, We've, we've been working really hard to just build trust among the engineering team going out and sort of coming in as well. Um, so that when engineering, you know, when an engineer says like, hey, before I start on this feature, I need to refactor this, that, that you know, product or stakeholders, whoever's involved, uh, understands that and has trust to say like, yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think it's more efficient um, and just good business to operate in an environment where there's trust and goodwill rather than like, constant explanations, right? It's very hard for on a technical level to say, hey, uh, I have to change this out and pull it into a separate service because like, okay, and then you talk for like two hours, right? It's not productive. It's not really healthy. People won't get it anyway, right? Um, the interesting thing about that is that it's, it's a two-way thing, right? So at the same time, we're working very hard to make sure that if there's you know high-level business decisions or who do we partner with or other things like that, that um, key people in the business can make those calls and engineering feels good about them. Right. Um, so that's like the main approach that we've taken. Um, and I think the other thing is just, uh, building those relationships with those stakeholders and talking with them, uh, meeting with them, being very candid and transparent. Um, I'm a big believer that, uh, transparency is probably the most important and best thing you can do to have your engineering team do really well. It's hard and it's challenging every once in a while and doing that in a way that is, you know, being fully transparent while also being, uh, you know, totally respectful and, uh, you know, leaving benefit of the doubt or, you know, understanding the things that pieces of the pie that you're missing or the information you don't have. Uh, it's definitely a challenging thing. Like it's something I think 
you know, as an engineering leader, you're constantly working on and trying to get better at. Um, but I do believe when people know that you're going to shoot straight, that really, you know, can move the equation in a positive direction. Like when you're meeting with someone and they know like this person's going to tell me, the, you know, they're going to be honest. If something needs to change, they'll tell me if it doesn't need to, they won't tell me or they'll, they'll say it's fine. Right. All that stuff, I think is really key because once you can build those relationships that are built on this trust and transparency, then, then it's just a matter of like making hard decisions. Right. And like, that's, that's the job. Like, that's fine. That's not, that's not as hard as trying to get that trust or transparency going in the first place. So how do you get the trust and transparency, you know, in the first place? It sounds like you guys have a pretty good culture, you know, so maybe it was developed and it continues to be developed. I talked to a lot of folks who are kind of like, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of trust between business and engineering. There's, there's been some stuff in the past, you know, we're trying to get over that. Um, You know, how do you start to develop that culture from the ground up? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's not easy for sure. Like, it's definitely not easy. I think, um, I think one of the things that really helps at least, I mean, there's like, there's obviously tons of different options and ways you can go. I, for me, I think one of the important things is to have that, that candidness also like go downwards, right? Some, I think some leaders have a perspective that their role is to sort of filter out any issues or, or frustration or confusion or challenges or business challenges or whether that's more on the business side or, you know, totally in the business or the certain team or whatever. Um, I think there's leaders that think, well, my job is to protect my team from all of that and just, you know, let them like go, 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 go. And I won't share any of the, you know, interesting business challenges that we have or anything like that, internal challenges, whatever. I don't think that's the right way to go. I don't think that that really builds trust and transparency. I think, you want, to, you want to be respectful and all, all that stuff, obviously. But I think the best thing you can do is like, you know, for instance, if you're working on um, some new uh, partner integration with some partner for some interesting thing and that partner is, you know, confused about why some part of the thing you sold them is working a certain way or why some part of the, um, you know, one, some, 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 let's say syndication, for instance, for us, right? We do, we have syndication partners where we, we have our own marketplace, but we also syndicate those listings to all these other places. So, you know, if, if someone's, uh, one of our syndication partners says, oh, this feed looks a little weird. Uh, it seems like it's, you know, getting uh, strange every once in a while. And I don't understand why. I think some engineering leadership sort of, you know, or maybe an old school philosophy, I guess, would be like, oh, like, uh, you know, I won't worry about it. Like, I'll handle that myself in like a little black box. And, uh, you know, I'll make sure everyone isn't worried. And I don't want to stress people out if there's not a problem and whatever. And you don't want to be sky is falling or everything's wrong, right? But I think it's totally healthy to go to, let's say you have a syndication team and say like, hey, this, this you know, uh, partner we're integrating with says that the thing looks a little bit weird. Do we want to check on that? Um, and I think doing that in a way that isn't just like totally trying to like coddle, you know, them, I think that is really good. Like we tend to, you know, we pay engineers a lot of money. They're incredibly often smart, like talented, bright people who want to do good work. And I think we do them or we do our teams a disservice if we don't like give them the right information, which means that not all that information is going to be positive all of the time. And that's that's like, OK, if we try to make it positive all the time, I think that com- starts to come off as a bit fake. And people don't like to feel like they're being like managed too much. Right. Like they don't want to feel like they're handled. People want to feel like they're being respected and treated as like really capable, you know, smart, like adults that can solve business problems. Um, And at the end of the day, as engineers, like I firmly believe that our job is not to code necessarily. Right. Like the job is to solve business problems. 
which which includes you you know a lot of coding often and, and building new services or platforms or features or libraries or whatever but it also involves you know all the other pieces of, of really being you know primary solvers for the business yeah i think that's right and if i if i could paraphrase you know one thing that i i hear a lot and i advise the business side on is, you know, engineers are smart and they want to know why, like, why did you make that decision? Why are we doing this thing? You know, they really want to believe in the pathway of the business choices that are being made. And, and, you know, sometimes that they have some really good feedback that they can put into that process as well. And uh, you should use your engineering organization, you know, almost like a, like a sounding board, you know, as, Hey, we're about to make these choices. Is there any reason that you think we shouldn't or anything we haven't thought of, you know, from your perspective? Yeah, totally. And that's very much the way that Blinker operates. Um, we've gotten very good at that kind of preemptive communication and, hey, thinking about this. Um, I think it takes time to develop that, right? Because some organizations, you might have a thing where someone says, hey, we're thinking about this. We had this really cool idea. We want to do this on the platform, right? And it might just be an idea, right? And they're looking for feedback. And you have to you know, sort of prime the organization and get it to a place in terms of the culture and the health around communication and feedback where people can say like, oh, I think that's a, you know, that's a risky idea and here's why and that's okay. Um, both going upwards as well as like on the, on the sort of going downward side, like setting up an environment where, you know, you don't want something where someone shares, hey, we're thinking about this idea and then, you know, some, someone gets really worried and starts freaking out and saying, oh, no, we could never do that. Or, oh, I hate that idea. I don't think that, you know, runs counter to our values or something. Um, right. Those are like challenges that you face with getting to that level of like communication. Right. Because I think that's one reason why often uh, that communication will break down is because of like what you mentioned before. You can have baggage or bad experiences in the past and say, well, I tried being transparent and saying I had this idea and, you know, the engineering t- team took it this way or design team took it that way or whatever. Right. Um, but I think that, that, that like, if you have good leaders in place, that can get solved. Excellent. Um, last question, you know, we're obviously in the business of sort of finding and evaluating and certifying and just making really great engineering hires. And I always like to ask, you know, when I talk to engineering leaders, we feel great about our process. It's been really successful, you know, but maybe what, what don't we know? And, you know, what do you guys do to really identify and uh, and bring on board you know, just like a plus engineers what are the, the key heuristics there yeah absolutely i think for us there's a few things i think the, the first thing is recognizing that um you know i think it's important to treat your candidates as real people and not just as like disposable resources right so a little bit of extra respect or or you know communication or whatever can go a long way um, like on our infrastructure side, for instance, we, we've moved to a model where um, we, instead of sending out some big, long assignment for them to complete, um, we just say, hey, we're, we're thinking about this system. Um, think about it, you know, uh, do a little mental prep and then come in and talk about it, right? And if they can speak to the sorts of ideas they would have to solve the problem or how they might implement this thing some, in some cloud provider or whatever, then that can get us a lot of the way or all the way, right, without having to take hours of their time, right? So I think just being considerate and treating them like people is something that surprisingly a lot of engineering organizations don't do. I think the other key for us has been um, really really thinking about what this person uh, values, right? So there's the initial bit of like, can this person do the job? Do they have the experience? Do they have the skills? Um, all of that stuff. And that's, I think that that you can often figure out very, very quickly. 
Um, the more interesting thing or the more relevant thing is really like, would they be happy here? Do we have similar values? What do they value? What could they bring to the table that's different than other people and make our team more diverse and more interesting? Um, so, so for us, uh, we tend to ask a lot of questions about um, how do they feel about testing or how do they feel about um, automation or how do they feel about uh, the structure of their code? Do they tend to prefer things more abstract or less, more concrete? Um, why? And with those kinds of questions that we do in the process, we're really not looking for a right answer, right? We tend to ask a lot. Once we've checked off the boxes, so like a minimum box is boom, boom, boom. We're not looking for, oh, they said the thing I wanted to hear. They said this, right? What we're looking for is looking for what do they value and how do those values align or not align, right? And I think by going in that sort of direction, instead of a necessarily right or wrong on those, you can really make sure that candidate is fully prepared to come in. They know what kind of cultures and ideas they're stepping into. Um, you know, they can, they can see, oh, I have this interesting idea about how you should um, how you should do events-driven architecture. Um, and I, I have a lot of experience there, and here's my opinions on why that's a really great thing for these types of problems. And then our engineering team can say, oh, awesome, that's amazing. We, we'd love to learn that from this person, right? Um, and I think too often engineering interviews can get a little bit too black and white and a little bit too, I'm digging for this person to say the buzzword or I'm digging for this person to say the right answer. Um, and I think we should look at it more in terms of what does this person value? What do they bring to the table? What's important to them? What do they enjoy? What are they motivated to do? And if we ask those kinds of questions and assess on those kinds of things, I think we'll get a lot better teams and a lot, you know, yeah, a lot healthier teams. And, uh, and the individual will love the job more, stick around longer, accomplish more things, you know. Fantastic insights. I love that. Sounds like a great culture. Scott, thanks for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for the invite. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.